0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin today with the politics lead. Moments ago, Democratic New York Governor Andrew Cuomo tried to downplay The very serious statement from President Biden about the myriad allegations of sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior that have been launched against Cuomo. President Biden, on air this morning, said that if the allegations of sexual harassment against Cuomo are proven to be true in the investigations going on, then Cuomo should resign. And then Biden, bringing up on his own with no prompting, said, quote, he probably will end up being prosecuted too." unquote, Were that to happen, Governor Cuomo moments ago attempted some rank revisionism on what Biden said. If you if you committed a crime,
2: you can be prosecuted. That's true. Uh, But what President Biden said was uh, we should do an investigation. Uh, The question to President Biden uh, starts with, uh, do you think the governor should resign, or do you think there should be a review first? And the president said, there should be a review.
0: That's
1: not what happened. Here's what President Biden told ABC News' George Stephanopoulos.
3: I know you have said you want the investigation to continue. If the investigation confirms the claims of the women, should he resign?
2: Yes, I think he probably end up being prosecuted too.
1: Quite different. CNN's Bryn Gingras joins me now from Albany. Uh, and Bryn, you, you listened to the Cuomo news conference um, in addition to the revisionism that he attempted. What jumped out at you about how the governor characterized what's going on versus what the attorney general is investigating?
4: Yeah, well, Jake, I think you said it well. He just tried to downplay it. And when we were listening to this news conference, the governor actually didn't answer the question until it was actually asked twice. One reporter sort of paraphrased what uh, the president had said in that interview with George Stephanopoulos. And he said, you characterized what he said wrong and then asked for the next question. The follow-up question, the reporter verbatim read what you just played for your viewers. And that's when Cuomo was actually had forced really to say uh, the comment that you just again played for your viewers. So again, you mentioned Biden is the one who brought up this idea of prosecution, which is something that says, basically, he thinks that these harassment allegations these other allegations against the governor are so egregious that maybe prosecution might come into play. But keep in mind right now, Jake, the New York attorney general's investigation into Cuomo, it's just a fact-finding probe at this point. It isn't a criminal prosecution uh, inquiry investigation. However, Letitia James, the New York attorney general here, has said if she does find criminality in uh, In this investigation, if the attorneys who are leading it find it, it will be referred to a prosecutor for possibly a criminal investigation. So it was certainly interesting how the president said that and then how Cuomo responded to it the second time today.
1: And in addition to the attorney general of the state of New York, Letitia James, doing her investigation, there's also this impeachment inquiry into these allegations The New York State Assembly today announced the the name of the law firm that will be leading the inquiry. Uh, The first accuser to speak out against Cuomo, Lindsay Boylan, and the lawyer for the second of Cuomo's accusers, pardon me, Charlotte Bennett, both of them have raised issues with this law firm picked by the New York State Assembly, which we should note is run by the Democratic Party.
4: Yeah, that's right. Not even just those two accusers, Jake, but a lot of people on social media because they noticed a conflict of interest. Now, that law firm was announced by the speaker today as Davis, Polk, and Wardell Law Firm. And the notable thing there is a member of that law firm, a partner for decades, uh, was a person or is a person who is close to Cuomo, has been appointed to several board positions in the state by Cuomo, is also married to the chief judge in this state, uh, Janet DiFiore, who, if you're Remember, the governor tried to get her to oversee the investigation that the New York Attorney General has now in her hands. So there was a lot of question there is exactly why uh, this law firm was picked. And like you said, uh, Charlotte Bennett's attorney came out and said, you know, she may not participate in this investigation and she has paused to uh, because of this conflict of interest. So we'll have to see how that goes forward. But I will tell you, the speaker has said they didn't find any conflict of interest when actually picking this law firm for this investigation, which is
5: getting started.
1: All right. Bryn Gingrass in Albany, New York. Thanks so much. Let's discuss uh, Gloria Borger. Let me start with you. Let's talk about President Biden saying, not only should Cuomo resign uh, if the allegations are proven true, but then bringing up on his own that he he could be prosecuted. That seemed really significant.
6: It did, and that's exactly why Governor Cuomo tried to downplay it, because it is significant. The president knows and understands what uh, what the story is here and that lots of Democrats are calling for Cuomo to resign office. The president's not going that far. He has called for a thorough investigation, but I think this was his way of saying to Cuomo, this is how serious I believe this is that should they find anything, this can lead to criminal prosecution, period. And Cuomo's saying, well, he didn't say that. He said, you know, that we should have an investigation first. Yes, he did say that. But on his own, as you point out, he raised the issue of criminal prosecution, which he was not asked about.
1: Yeah, and I don't think Cuomo called it an investigation. I think he kept calling it a review. A review, right. Interesting uh, uh, language. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And Nia... I mean, this comes after 16 out of the 19 House Democrats representing New York have called for Cuomo to step down. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, both from New York, called him to step down. And here you have Biden raising the specter of prosecution. Cuomo, of course, trying to act as if none of this is happening.
7: Exactly. And that has been his posture all along. And he, of course, I think is at this point relying on polls in New York that say that most people do not want him to resign. I think it's something like uh, 50 percent of folks want him to stay in office. The thing about this is he does not have to resign. Right. The only way uh, to remove him from office is these impeachment uh, proceedings that seem to be uh, moving fairly quickly with Democrats uh, leading the charge. It has been uh, something of a sea change for uh, Andrew Cuomo over these last days to see uh, how many top how many top Democrats uh, have come out against him, and, and, and most recently uh, with Biden, who hadn't really been out front on this, talking about this, to come out and, and now say uh, that these charges are very uh, serious. These allegations that a number of women uh, have made against them uh, could lead to prosecution uh, if, if it is found, in fact, that he is guilty of these allegations.
1: And, Gloria, you and I are old enough to remember... Uh, The Clinton years. And there's a script going on here that's very familiar. You see Governor Cuomo doing events with African-American political leaders, people who are a key part of the Democratic coalition. And you see this effort by people in his circle to smear his accusers.
6: Yeah, uh, we w- we went through that uh, with Bill Clinton. What What is different here that's sort of interesting to me is the Democratic Party itself. Because, Jake, you remember at that time that the Democratic Party itself circled the wagons around Bill Clinton. Women's groups circled the wagons around Bill Clinton and protected him. In this particular instance, it's the Democrats recalling Bill Clinton who are now coming out and saying, uh-uh, not again. And so you see the opposite happening with a lot of these uh, Democrats and a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, generally pro-democratic groups saying we cannot
8: excuse this.
1: And we should note, Nia, there are a lot of Republicans in New York, uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, uh, who are acting very offended by what Cuomo has done, who had not one word to say about the dozens of women who accused uh, former president trump of not only sexual harassment but in some cases sexual assault
7: Yeah, a a lot of hypocrisy there uh, among Republicans who are pointing uh, to Governor Cuomo and uh, the situation he finds himself in. And initially, they were pointing to Democrats and saying, why aren't Democrats uh, calling on him to to resign? Why aren't Democrats uh, treating him much more harshly? And as Gloria pointed out, we have seen uh, what has happened over these last many days with Democrats really forcefully uh, calling on him uh, to resign. And listen, this is different from what we Saw with Bill Clinton, we saw something. I think of a change with what happened uh, with Al Franken and this party, Democrats, knowing that uh, that women are such an important part of their constituency. And in somebody like Bill, uh, with, uh, like Joe Biden, you have somebody who the face of the Violence Against Women's Act, and that is something uh, that that you will hear him talk about. I think uh, throughout his presidency, important for his administration, I think to put a line in the sand and come out in the way that they did against Governor. Yeah, Obama.
1: So Biden would not be in office for not for women right. voters. Neha Malika right. Henderson, Gloria Borger, thanks to both of you. Appreciate it. The one question the CDC director refused to answer, not once, not twice, but three times about the pandemic today. What is it? Plus, new details about the suspect accused of shooting and killing eight people at spas throughout Georgia. What his roommate is now revealing about this horrific crime. That's ahead. In our health lead, after several weeks of good news... Today, growing concerns that may be changing. More than a dozen states are now seeing a rise in COVID cases, and the CDC is warning about two new strains, first detected in California that they're calling variants of concern, which the CDC says may be 20% more transmissible. And as CNN's Alexander Field reports now, today the CDC director also sparred with Republicans on Capitol Hill over who's responsible for coronavirus deaths in the U.S.
9: It's a yes or no, uh, Dr. Walensky. Not
8: once, not twice, but three times. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky refusing to say if she would blame former President Trump for 500,000 American deaths.
9: Is that an accurate statement that Trump killed 500,000 people?
7: I um, came into this office on January 20th.
0: Did he
9: he or did he not kill 500,000 people?
7: I think the effect of this pandemic is multifactorial.
0: And I would really appreciate if you could
2: give a straight answer, yes or no.
7: There are many, many reasons why we as a country were ill-prepared to to tackle this pandemic that resulted in over 500,000 deaths. For now, the
8: new administration working to keep the focus on a ramp up in vaccinations nationwide. Over 73 million people have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Nearly 40 million are now fully vaccinated. President Joe Biden focusing on the next hurdle ahead, vaccine hesitancy.
2: I just don't understand this sort of macho thing about I'm not going to get the vaccine. I have a right as an American, my freedom to not do it. Well, why don't you be a patriot? Protect other people. The urgency to get as many people vaccinated as
8: possible growing as the CDC officially labels five strains of the virus already detected in the U.S. as variants of concern, meaning they could be more transmissible and perhaps less treatable.
2: We don't have enough people vaccinated yet to make a real difference. In uh, infections.
8: Those variants fueling worries about another surge with warning signs already appearing in states across the country. Nationally, new cases remain down overall, but 14 states are reporting a week-to-week increase of more than 10 percent. Delaware, Montana, and Alabama all posting gains of more than 30 percent, with Michigan leading the way. Cases there are up a whopping 53 percent since last week.
10: It's going to be a close call. We are vaccinating really well. That's the good news. These variants are spreading pretty quickly across the country. That's the bad news.
8: Spring breakers are flooding beaches and bars in some cities. That's worrying to health officials combined with St. Patrick's Day parties. The CDC hasn't yet issued updated travel guidance for people who are fully vaccinated.
7: We're revisiting the travel
8: question. Yet there's already a new record stretch of air travel during the pandemic. According to the TSA, more than 7 million people flying in just the last six days.
11: I do think the next six to eight weeks could be rough.
8: And Jake, while we are expecting to hear some new travel guidance from the CDC soon, we are also expecting to hear new guidance from the agency on schools. They are currently looking at studies that show that three feet of physical distancing in schools could be sufficient versus six feet. And that may go a long way toward helping the Biden administration accomplish a Kegel goal getting more kids back to school.
1: Jake? Very important issue. Alexander Field of New York, thank you so much. Joining us to discuss, CNN chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay, what worries you the most about these two new coronavirus strains?
3: Well, so these, these two variants of concern are, are more transmissible. And I think that that's, that's probably the biggest concern. I'll just show you, you know, we, we, we looked at sort of the impact of something that is more transmissible versus simply more lethal. And if you look at something that's, for example, 50% more transmissible, that would lead to a lot more deaths after a month than something that was 50% more lethal because it spreads into communities, affects vulnerable populations. So the transmissibility thing is, is a concern. Also, the fact that um, people who have antibodies because they've been previously infected, there's some evidence that those antibodies don't work as well against these strains. So we're seeing the race that everyone's talking about between the variants and vaccine play out in real life. This is is an example of that. Even people who've been previously infected, they need to get vaccinated, and this is why, because their antibodies may not be as protective. And I guess those are the biggest concerns with these, these types of variants.
1: But the vaccines work against these variants.
3: Yeah. So the vaccines seem to offer more protection other than just the antibodies that you get from natural protection, uh, natural infection, rather. So I think that's a really important point. There's a lot of people out there who say, hey, I had it. I don't need the vaccine. Uh, What today what's happening today in the news should should remind people that even if you've had the, the infection in the past, the antibodies you have, the proteins you have in your blood may not be protective against some of these new variants. So still get vaccinated when you can.
1: A number of European countries uh, have had to issue lockdown orders again because of rising new case counts. Do you think it's obviously a race, but do you think the U.S. can vaccinate enough r- adults to reach a real herd immunity through vaccination before these variants of concern spread more and potentially force more shutdowns?
3: Well, you, you, you know, Jake, I, I I've been talking to a lot of people about this. I think, first of all, it would, it would be hard to imagine um, people shutting down again. I mean, and I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. I'm just saying that we, I think one thing we've seen throughout this last year is the complete reluctance to shut things down. Maybe it happens again, but I think it's very unlikely. What causes a shutdown in the United States versus other countries? In Italy, they're shutting down because of rising case numbers. The thing that would sort of force it here is is the hospitalizations. If hospitalizations are becoming over, uh, hospitals are becoming overwhelmed, that might be something that, that really forces a shutdown, so to speak. But, Jake, I am optimistic on this note, despite the fact that uh, we typically track with Italy there and we see Italy going up, so we're likely to go up, because 60%, two-thirds of people over the age of 60 at least have one shot now, and within the next couple of weeks, they're going to be immunized. I think it's unlikely we're going to see the corresponding proportional increase in hospitalizations or deaths. I, I, I hope I'm not wrong on that, um, but I think because so many people have been vaccinated, even if the case numbers stay the same or go up, uh, hopefully it's not going to lead to an overwhelming of hospitals again.
1: I hope you're right. Uh, at least 16 European countries have now suspended use of the AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine, and a safety committee in Europe is now investigating if there's any link between the vaccine and vaccinated people who got blood clots now let me remind our viewers the astrazeneca vaccine is not being used in the united states right now so this is not necessarily an issue that's relevant but astrazeneca may come to the united states and fauci tried to dismiss some of the concerns about it today take a listen
9: the actual incidence of the clotting is not more than you would expect in the population in the absence of vaccines so that's why they're insisting that the concern is not founded
1: on the reality of what's gone on. What's your take on this? Fauci's saying what basically you said yesterday, that this isn't necessarily an issue that, that the Europeans should be reacting like this about.
3: Yeah, I think that, that, you know, their their, um, their antennas are way up, like we said yesterday. They're looking for anything right now, which I think is understandable, frankly. I mean, in some ways, it's evidence that the safety monitoring that takes place uh, is working. But as a result, uh, you know, you can sort of overreact as well. You start to draw these correlations that really aren't there. I think what Dr. Fauci said, and a lot of other people who who are taking care of patients, even in Europe, will say is that there there is a certain percentage of people at any given time outside of a pandemic, outside of a vaccination campaign that just developed these spontaneous clotting disorders. And the number of people who do that spontaneously is no higher. Uh, It's no higher under these people who've received vaccines. What we need is the European Medical Agency to come out and be definitive about this and not wishy-washy, because I think the greatest impact of this may be increasing vaccine hesitancy as opposed to a real danger of the vaccine. So, you know, they've got to be strong about that.
1: Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thanks as always. Good to see you. Eight people killed in three separate shootings at massage parlors in Georgia, and now we're learning about the suspect's past, including why he spent time in rehab. Stay with us. Yeah. And we're back with the politics lead and President Biden's message to would-be migrants. Quote, don't come to the U.S., he said, yet... Migrants are coming across the U.S. southern border at record levels, according to the Department of Homeland Security, and thousands of them are children, and they're alone. Once in the U.S., many of these children go into U.S. detention facilities, where many are sleeping on plastic cots and others on mats on the floor, a Border Patrol agent tells CNN. In some cases, the children have not seen sunlight or taken a shower in days. But as CNN's Phil Mattingly reports for us now... Top Biden administration officials still seem determined to downplay the severity of what is becoming a humanitarian crisis.
9: I can say quite clearly, don't come. President Biden with a loud and clear message
2: to migrants making
9: the dangerous trek to the U.S.
2: When we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. Biden attempting to
9: halt the perception that he has played a role in the surge of unaccompanied minors at the border as his homeland security secretary echoed that sentiment on Capitol Hill and sharply pushed back on questions about why the administration won't call it a crisis. A crisis
2: is when a nation is willing to rip a nine-year-old child out of the hands of his or her parent and separate that family to deter future migration. That, to me, is a humanitarian crisis.
9: The administration now facing more than 4,000 minors in Border Patrol custody for, on average, more than 120 hours, far longer than the legally allotted 72 hours, with CNN reporting that conditions include children, alternating schedules to make space for one another, kids who haven't seen sunlight in days, all while going days without showers. Biden saying in an ABC interview, policy solutions are being put into place.
2: Making clear it will take time. We have brought in, brought in HHS and also brought in FEMA to provide for enough safe facilities for them to not to get out of the control of the border patrol, which are not designed to hold people for a long period of time, particularly children. Get them out of those facilities. The immigration
9: crisis threatening to swamp Biden's agenda, even as his administration gears up for its next big push—an infrastructure package. With Biden making clear the most difficult element, how to pay for it will include tax increases.
2: Anybody making more than $400,000 will see a small to a significant tax increase. If you make less than $400,000, you won't see one single penny in additional federal tax.
9: Even though Republicans have already said tax increases are a non-starter,
3: Biden unmoved. He didn't get a single Republican vote for tax cuts. How are you going to get a Republican vote for a tax increase?
2: I may not get it, but I'll get the Democratic votes.
9: And, Jake, another significant decision looming for President Biden is whether to withdraw U.S. troops from Afghanistan. His predecessor, President Trump, set a May 1st deadline for that decision last night in the ABC interview. Biden saying it could happen, but it will be tough. He criticized the deal that was struck by the Trump administration and said, right now, consulting with allies in the process of figuring out next steps there.
1: Jake. All right, Phil Manningly, thanks so much. In our national lead, President Biden says he will not make a connection on possible motives for the gruesome shootings around Atlanta that left eight people dead, six of them women of Asian descent, until the Department of Justice weighs in. The shootings took place at three spas in the Atlanta area, about an hour apart. And moments ago, police announced that the suspect will face eight counts of murder. And as CNN's Natasha Chen reports for us now, After a rise of reported hate crimes against Asian-Americans, that community is now even more on edge.
5: He spent time in rehab for sex addiction. That's according to the former roommate of the suspect in a horrific string of shootings at three Atlanta-area spas that killed eight people and wounded one other. We now know six of the victims are of Asian descent. The suspect, Robert Aaron Long, told investigators his attacks were not racially motivated, but rather an attempt to target places he felt were temptations for his sexual addiction.
0: He
1: apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a a sex addiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to, to, um, to go to these places and And it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate.
5: The first calls came in around 5 p.m., a shooting at Young's Asian Massage in Ackworth, Georgia, about 30 miles northwest of Atlanta. Two of the victims died at the scene. Two passed away at the hospital. From there, police say the suspect drove to Atlanta. At 5.47 p.m., Atlanta police responded to a call of a possible robbery at Gold Massage Spa. There, they found three Asian women who had been killed. And across the street at Aromatherapy Spa, one Asian woman was killed.
2: So it's pretty shocking for our not only our responding deputies and public safety, but also for the community here. We take this very serious.
5: Law enforcement said Long admitted to the shootings in a police interview. When police released these surveillance images of him, they said the family of 21-year-old Long called authorities. Investigators then tracked him via cell phone, 150 miles south of Atlanta, where he was arrested.
7: The suspect was on his way to Florida, I believe. Um, and perhaps to carry out additional shootings. So, again, this could have been uh, significantly uh, worse. The
5: fact that the majority of victims were Asian women adds to the mounting tension in the Asian American community, already fearful after a rise in reporting of anti Asian attacks across the country, something of which Vice President Kamala Harris, who is part Southeast Asian, is keenly aware.
8: It is tragic. Uh, Our country, the President and I, and all of us, we grieve for the loss. Um, Our prayers are extended to the families of, of those who have been killed.
5: One of the suspect's former roommates has spoken to CNN, describing him as someone who was deeply religious and tortured and distraught over his sexual addiction. Now, today we've also heard from the sheriff of Cherokee County. That's the location where the first attack happened. He was asked about whether the suspect in his interview sounded like he understood the seriousness of his actions. Here's what the sheriff said.
1: He understood um, the gravity of it. And he was pretty much fed up, and it kind of at the end of his rope. And uh, and yesterday was a really bad day for him. And this is what he did.
5: So. He says right there that it was a really bad day for the suspect. Well, here's what we know about that. Someone told police last night that Long had recently been kicked out of his parents' house and was emotional. But clearly, Jake, this is something where investigators are going back into his history. There's a lot of discussion about what addiction he had and whether or not this was thought about far longer than just
1: this week. Jake. All right, Natasha, thank you so much. Appreciate it. President Biden sends a message to Vladimir Putin that he's not dealing with President Trump anymore. That's next. In our world, lead a threat from President Biden to Russian leader Vladimir Putin on interfering in the 2020 election.
2: He will pay a price. We had a long talk, he and I. I I know him relatively well. And the conversation started off, I said, I know you and you know me. If I establish this occurred, then be prepared.
1: Those comments come on the heels of a newly declassified intelligence report, which found that Russia, among other countries, interfered with our election again to help former President Trump and denigrate now President Biden. The report revealing just how extensive Putin's efforts were, including mounting efforts to influence people in Trump's inner circle. Joining me now... To discuss, the former director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, Chris Krebs, who was fired by President Trump because he would not support the big lie, uh, which is a decision that uh, aged pretty well, Chris. Um, so Biden talked about an exchange he had with Putin in his office back in 2011. Take a listen.
2: President Bush had said, I've looked in his eyes and saw a soul. I said, I "Looked in your eyes and I don't think you have a soul. And looked back at me and he said, we understand each other.
1: Biden vowed that Putin would pay a price for interfering. He told him he didn't think he had a soul, if you believe that story. How big of a difference in tone are we seeing from Trump to Biden when it comes to Putin?
10: I you know, at least from the words from the the head of head of state, it's a night and day difference. it's It's talking, you know uh, very clearly about, exchanges. It's talking about, uh, you know, w- what might be to come. It's not coming out of the blue. It's not coming from cabinet heads. It's actually coming from the president of the United States. You know, you get readouts of conversation. They're, they're coming from, from the White House.
1: I, I want to turn to the intelligence report on election security. Uh, there's a lot to it. Um, one way that Russia tried to interfere, according to this report, was using cronies to influence Trump's allies, though it doesn't specify who that could be. The report assessed that Putin had purview over Ukrainian lawmaker Andriy Durkach, who has ties to Russian intelligence. The report does not name a Trump ally, but we do know that Durkach met with Rudy Giuliani, Trump's lawyer, who has influence on Trump. Does this surprise you at all? How concerned are you over how close the Kremlin was able to get to Trump when it came to this disinformation?
10: So that report you're referencing, the 1A report, is the intelligence analysis uh, that the director of national intelligence pulled together uh, around the 2020 election. There was a separate report, the 1B report, that was more focused on the impact uh, of any of those actions on elections. This dates back to an executive order prior to the 2018 election. Uh, many of those activities, including the Andrei durkach information, as well as the Konstantin Kalimnik, who was another Ukrainian operative or, or, or Russian influence uh, asset, um, that, that information was previously public, and Durkacz was sanctioned, but it's the first time you've seen it all rolled up in one with the additional information about that, that, that immediate orbit of the former president. And it shows that everyone in this town, in Washington, D.C., needs to be pretty careful about who you're talking to, particularly when they show up with something that seems just, just a little bit too, uh, too good.
1: This report refutes the big lie claims repeatedly, noting that no one tinkered with voting machines, no one messed with voter registration. How was this able to get so out of hand?
10: I mean, Jake, it was it was a man with 89 million followers on Twitter that was constantly repeating these. I mean, look, I had 10,000 followers on Twitter at the time I was fired. And we were trying to debunk some of the themes that were central to the big lie, whether it was the, the election equipment, whether it was dead voters, whether it was Sharpie Gate in Arizona. You know, when you have these individuals, these influencers, and you have these fringe media networks and other outlets on the Internet that are promoting it, it's it's asymmetric information warfare. We were simply outgunned.
1: The Trump administration spent years publicly undermining the intelligence community in terms of integrity and findings for the supporters of the big lie whose response, that this is all just a deep state trying to cover it up. What what do you say to them? Because, you know, the supporters of the big lie are still up on Capitol Hill. It's a majority of House Republicans. It's a few Senate Republicans. What do you say?
10: If you continue to propagate the big lie, that, that report calls it out quite clearly. You are part and parcel of a Russian disinformation operation. You will be contributing to further physical violence. It calls very clearly that the, the big lie that precipitated the January 6th attack on the Capitol was just the beginning. That some of these operators and, and some of the Oath Keeper groups and others will continue to use the big lie to justify violence, to you know, take what back whatever uh, political independence they think they, they uh, are, are owed. And that's what we're going to see. It is going to continue. It is going to spread throughout the country, throughout Europe as well. This is not just a U.S. problem. This is an emerging uh, liberal democracy problem.
1: Yeah. Chris, thank you so much. And as always, thanks for your integrity. I know the last six months have not been fun, but we appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Jake. It's the next huge fight over a pipeline already happening right now. But is it already past the point of no return? Stay with us. In our Earth Matters series on his first day in office, President Biden signed an executive order to kill the controversial Keystone Pipeline. But there is another massive and controversial pipeline being built right now running 340 miles through Minnesota. Supporters say it provides thousands of much needed jobs. And activists want it killed for environmental reasons. But as CNN's Bill Weir reports, that might be too late. Way up north,
11: where the mighty Mississippi is a twisty ribbon of ice, this is the new front in an old fight. It is called Enbridge Line 3, a Canadian pipeline set to run through the woods, wetlands and wild rice of Minnesota. Setting up another natives versus Goliath clash over energy, sovereignty and our life-threatening addiction to fossil fuel. So how much of this fight for you is about the immediate concerns of a leak that would spoil the water and land, and how much is it about stopping man-made climate change?
8: For me, it's all the things at once. So it's the spills, right, which always happen with pipelines. It's the disruption itself of just the pipeline going into 800 wetlands and 200 bodies of water. Then there's the climate change piece, the emissions of this, 50 coal-fired plants, absolute insanity.
11: Line 3 starts in the tar sands of Alberta, where forests are replaced with open pits and toxic lakes so big you can see them from space. Since it is scraped and steamed into a thick sludge, tar sand oil takes tremendous amounts of water and energy to push through a pipe. And one study found Line 3 will contribute as much planet-warming pollution as 50 coal-fired power plants. What is Enbridge's position overall on the climate crisis? We agree. Climate change is an issue. Um, And in fact, almost as our name implies, right, Enbridge, we're very keen about trying to build a bridge to the energy future. So at what point, in order to break this addiction, do we say, you know what? We're going to start with the worst. We're going to start with the black tar heroin as we detox our way toward being clean. Yeah, I mean, I think the real challenge here is that we have a demand for energy. And the reality is, even as we see great growth in renewables, we're still going to need some fossil fuel for years to come. After President Biden pulled Trump era permits and killed the Keystone XL, those who lost the battle at Standing Rock found fresh hope. The tribes and their allies who failed to stop the Dakota Access oil from flowing just watched the first Native American interior secretary get confirmed. And now they pray that the president or a judge will stop line three. But that's a much bigger ask. Unlike Keystone XL, which was starting from scratch, line three is a replacement. And of the 340 miles that will cut through Minnesota, 40 percent of it is already in the ground. To outrace a court or White House order, Enbridge is working as fast as the thawing ice and growing process will allow.
8: There have been over 130 people who have been arrested so far in just the last few months. Fighting Line 3, we've got people that have been crawling into the pipeline itself, that have been chained to the machines. I mean,
11: it's an all-out struggle for Mother Earth that's happening here. We do respect everyone's view on the project. Uh, We respect safe protesting. What we don't want is individuals to become unsafe or trespass. And we ask our workers for de-escalation. Don't engage because it goes back to safety, integrity, and the
10: last one, respect. The truth is that the carbon emissions aren't coming from pipelines. They're coming from cars. And so if you really wanted to go directly to the source, You could protest car dealerships. You could protest gas stations.
11: When you compare a job on a pipeline compared to a job uh, building turbines or solar panels or drilling for geothermal, does it pay the same?
10: That's an excellent question. In Minnesota, because of the work we've done over the past few years, our laborers working on the pipeline and our laborers working building wind turbines are making the exact same money.
11: For one side of this fight, it all comes down to supply and demand while the other demands a supply of energy that doesn't come with 1,000-mile pipes. Droughts, floods, fires, and rising seas. It's a debate that will define the 2020s and beyond. Bill Weir, CNN, Palisade, Minnesota.
1: And our thanks to Bill Weir for that report. Warning signs in Europe that another COVID wave could build if we are not careful. That's next. In our world lead, the World Health Organization says coronavirus cases around the world are rising once again. Half of Italy's regions are now in another lockdown after reporting the highest daily death increase since late late January. In France, top health officials say it's time to consider new restrictions around Paris. Both of those countries and at least a dozen others in Europe have paused the AstraZeneca vaccine over possible side effects, which are complicating vaccination efforts. Finally today, 537,000 Americans have died from coronavirus. We'd like to take the time to remember just one of the frontline health care workers we've lost, Antonio Espinoza. He was a 36-year-old hospice nurse in California, a husband and a father. He loved to travel and cheer on the Dodgers. Espinoza's Espinoza's job was to ease people's pain before their deaths. He did not think his time would come so soon. He caught the virus in late January. He was gone a week later. He leaves behind his wife and three-year-old son our deepest condolences. May his memory be a blessing. Our coverage on CNN
0: continues right now. I'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.